Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Stellenbosch University's podcast where we talk about current topics and innovative research done at the university. Joining us today on Talks at Stellenbosch Uni is Dr. Guy Lamb, a researcher and lecturer in the Political Science Department at Stellenbosch University. Before joining the university, Dr. Lamb was the director of the Safety and Violence Initiative at the University of Cape Town. Prior to this, he was a senior research fellow at the Institute for Security Studies and senior researcher at the Center for Conflict Resolution. He has undertaken research and published on arms control, violence reduction, urban safety, policing and peace building issues in Africa for more than 20 years. He previously served on the United Nations Security Council panel of experts on Liberia and was also a member of the United Nations Small Arms Control Standards Expert Reference Group. Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Dr. Lamb. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. South Africa has experienced high levels of firearm violence relative to most countries in the world. Why has this been the case? Well, it's largely got to do with availability of firearms. So it's both legal and illegal. And of course, these things are connected, but it's also historical. So firearms have been a a problem in South Africa going back even before the apartheid era, but certainly during the apartheid era. And we look at specifically at the 1970s and 1980s, where availability became greater. So not only more people acquired licensed firearms and got approved licenses, certainly under the apartheid state, but also thousands of firearms were being transported into South Africa. So you had, for example, um, the apartheid security forces were supplying arms illegally to militias in places like KwaZulu-Natal. Also, you had liberation struggles that were transshipping arms into South Africa to support their cadres. Then, of course, you had weapons being transferred to uh, various uh, security forces within the former Bantustan homeland states. So you had a, a large number of weapons. And, of course, the controls weren't particularly good, specifically amongst um, licensed firearm holders, but also in police arms and military armories as well. So you saw quite a high level of diversion of firearms from legal owners, from uh, state entities that are responsible for firearms. So you had just a very large number of firearms that were in circulation. Now, of course, in in some countries that you've got a number of firearms around, it doesn't make a massive difference. But when you're in South Africa, where you have so many risk factors for interpersonal and group violence from pro-social norms, pro-violence norms that, that kind of contribute to these kind of interactions to very high levels of inequality, to kind of very high levels of unemployment, to the sort of a sense that violence is seen as a legitimate way of resolving conflict. So you have all these risk factors added to this problem around availability of firearms. So within South Africa, we're not, it's not as bad as it used to be. Um, Back in the sort of late 1990s, our murder rate was double that it is now. So it's about 36 per 100,000, our murder rate in South Africa. It was double that in the late 1990s. And that largely had to do with the availability of firearms. And of course, there was a lot of work done by the police and by legislators to do something about it, to improve controls over firearms. And we saw the murder rate come down quite significantly as a result of that. The South African government introduced tougher firearm control legislation in 2004. Has this law led to reductions in levels in violent crime? Well, 
the answer to the question is it's it's quite difficult to answer and say it definitely was legislation. There was a series of issues that happened in events and changes that happened certainly from 2000. So in 2000, you had the, the, the parliament, the national legislature coming together and through a process of public consultation and engagement, introduced lot, a lot more rigorous controls in terms of firearms. So it made it more difficult for individuals to acquire a firearm. So for example, uh, prior to the changes in the legislation, so prior to 2004, you could, as a person uh, 16 or older, get a firearm license, but the legislation changed that to the minimum age to get a firearm license was 21. They, With this legislation, they reduced the number of firearms that any individual could legally hold. They reduced the number of uh, amounts of ammunition that any person could legally hold. They brought in a whole lot of checks and balances into, into the legislation, including proper background checks and the police having to go and um, engage with individual firearm applicants. Firearm applicants had to go through a whole competency testing process, which was quite rigorous. So this whole scenario had the effect of reducing the number of firearms that entered the legal sector. And the problem we have in South Africa is the legal sector is a major pool of weapons for the illegal sector, so either through loss and theft of, of weapons. Um, so what happened with the legislation is it reduced the flow of or reduced the number of weapons that ordinary South Africans were able to license or acquire legally. So that's, that's the kind of key challenge with it. And it seems that the legislation combined with uh, a number of other factors led to this reduction in the murder rate in South Africa. So we know that there were less firearms allocated to licensed firearm owners and hence the number of weapons that were lost or stolen from those individuals reduced. Um, and then that had an effect on you know, making less illegal weapons available to criminals to commit crimes, including murder and attempted murder. So in, to, to really sum up is the legislation played a really important role, but it was not the sole reason that the murder rate came down within South Africa since the late 1990s up until about 2010, 2011. Dr. Lamb, what has been the role of the police in reducing firearm-related crime in South Africa? So the police have, it's been a priority for the police to deal with firearm crime because firearms are the leading weapon used in murders and attempted murders, and that's consistently been the case, way above knives, for example. Um, and what the police's role is, so number one, they have to enforce the legislation. So it's about through their day-to-day -day policing, um, ensure compliance with the legislation and if someone is not in compliance with the legislation or doesn't have a firearm license then that firearm is confiscated by the police surrendered to the police um, and that weapon is then secured and or destroyed um, but the, so that's the sort of day-to-day -day sort of work that the police do you'll see in the police statistics there's a you know a particular category of crime called illegal possession of firearms and ammunition and that's largely in relation to people who've who've kind of uh, come a cropper of the law and kind of been found in possession of illegal firearm or illegal ammunition. But the major role the police have been playing and where we've got some good studies and my own work has pointed to this is that the police from the late 1990s started to do these things called high density operations. And the high density operations are operations where the police will go in large numbers to high crime areas that have high murder rates, high violent crime rates, and they'll saturate those areas with police personnel, sometimes in 
in conjunction with the military, sometimes in conjunction with private security, neighborhood watches, um, and they will go and do lots of stops and searches. They will go into buildings where they've got intelligence that maybe there are illegal weapons in these buildings and look to confiscate and seize as many illegal weapons as possible. So it's about focusing on the high crime areas, saturate those areas, confiscate as many illegal weapons as you can and arrest those people who are in possession of those weapons. So these kind of interventions that have been done um, and the most recent sort of intervention that we have is Operation Fiela 2, um, which is, you know, clean sweepers is the, the, the English translation of it, um, where they continue to focus on high crime areas. The, um, the SAPS's anti-gang unit does this kind of interventions in kind of key gang areas as well. And we saw these sort of operations happening prior to COVID. There was actually Operation Lockdown within, uh, within Cape Town that was focusing on uh, gun problems areas and that was in collaboration with the military so the key issues here have been you know the police using these high density operations focusing on high crime areas and confiscating weapons and that seems to have had an effect on on crime rates in these areas um, the south african police service recently published a proposed amendments to the firearms control act what are the key changes that they have proposed well they've this, they've looked at, we've had the current act in place for, you know, almost 20 years. I mean, it came into being in 2004, but the police started to implement it from 2000. And there's a number of issues. They're looking to further restrict access um, to legal firearms, so reduce the number of weapons that any individual can hold in legally, so acquire a license for, reducing the amount of ammunition that a person can hold legally, but also they're looking to restrict access in terms of certain categories. So the most controversial part of the proposed legislation is that the police don't want to allow people to apply for firearms for self-defense reasons. So in terms of the current act, you can apply for a firearm for self-defense, you can apply for it for hunting, you can apply for it for sports shooting. Um, and of course, there are other considerations around collections and those sort of things. So people who collect firearms as, as kind of um, investment or as a kind of uh, you know, part of a hobby that they have. But the three categories are self-defense, sports shooting, and hunting. Now, the, the self-defense category has always been controversial because the police have tried to restrict the number of weapons that people can license there because it seems to be the category of weapons that are the most targeted for thefts by criminals or are the most vulnerable to loss. So certainly the weapons that are reported lost or stolen to the police each year, most of those are handguns and most of those weapons were licensed for self-defense reasons. So the police have been also, the, the process of licensing is a very complicated bureaucratic process. It's very time consuming requires a lot of you know manpower woman power from the police so what they're trying to do is it seems to be is cut down on those sort of responsibilities and you know have a an effect on the weapons that enter into the illegal sector because of loss and theft so that's why they're targeting um, self-defense and trying to remove or seeking to remove that particular provision now of course this has got uh, pro-gun uh, lobby groups, interest groups, organizations, very upset and very emotional. Um, and they've been, you know, making a number of statements about this, putting 
statements in writing, making submissions to to the police, uh, to the Parliamentary Committee on Police on this particular matter, because they see this as something that's ultimately going to prevent South Africans in the future from acquiring weapons to defend themselves against high crime rates. So the argument is that uh, South Africa has very high levels of violent crime. The police are not in a position to provide adequate protection to all South Africans and removing an, uh, the, an individual's ability to, to acquire a firearm for self-defense is going to make them less safe. So that's the argument and that's the controversy around that. Now, of course, you know, there are multiple ways in which someone can defend themselves um, and a firearm comes with a range of risks as well. Um, but also what the Act is trying to do is there's a whole lot of other issues. So, for example, they're trying to tighten up the provisions around you know, protecting um, individuals who are at risk of domestic violence or gender-based violence. So we know from a number of studies that a firearm in a home is a major risk factor for the perpetration of domestic violence, particularly men's violence against women. And what they want to do and change in the new act is to say, if someone is applying for a firearm license, but there is an interim protection order against them that's been brought about by this individual's partner, spouse, um, your girlfriend, boyfriend, family member, that the license application will be put on hold until that interim protection order has been resolved, whether it is confirmed or it's withdrawn. Um, it's also looking at really tightening up considerations about gender-based violence, so to really tighten up the kind of background checks on this particular issue as well. It's also looking at these private collections. So a number of firearm owners collect firearms because they're firearm enthusiasts. But the problem is there's been certain criminals who have been posing as firearm collectors and acquiring large numbers of firearms, which they've then registered and uh, acquired licenses for, and those firearms have then been used in the commission of crime. And similarly around uh, ammunition reloading. So there are gunsmiths out there that make a living from um, reloading ammunition. Um, so it's basically, you know, kind of taking uh, uh, shells from from previously used ammunition and, you know, putting, you know, the kind of, you know, kind of ignition, ignition kind of gunpowder back in them and then putting the bullet back into the, into the ammunition and then they can be reused. But the problem is there's been some criminal elements that have been using this and the, that ammunition has then kind of entered into the illegal sector as well. So the, ultimately what the Act is trying to do is make it more difficult to acquire a licensed firearm to reduce the number of firearms in circulation and hence reduce the risk of those firearms being lost or stolen and then being used to commit crime. So that's what the new Act is about. But of course, uh, many gun groups are very concerned and think that this is going to lead to, um, you know, ultimately a disarmament by the state where guns will be taken away uh, by government. But this doesn't seem to be the case. Certainly this hasn't been communicated, but certainly it's a key concern of, of gun groups out there. Thank you, Dr. Lamb, um, for insight um, into the Firearms Control Act. Lastly, can you tell me what are the next steps with the proposed legislation? Well, at the moment... Um, the, the proposed legislation is available online. Um, we've got a closing date of the 6th of July uh, for any written submissions to be made. So anyone in South Africa, any organization in South Africa can, can make written comment on the proposed legislation. Of course, there's been a lot of uh, concern raised by various groups within South Africa, both those who support less controls over firearms compared to those who want to see more controls over firearms. So they're ready that the, the um, Parliamentary Portfolio Committee of Police has received thousands, if not tens of thousands of written submissions. So what, what's going to happen is um, they will consider 
all the written submissions that have been made, and then they will most likely have public hearings. Of course, there have been so many submissions, not everyone's going to be able to appear before the parliamentary committee. They will select key organizations, representative organizations or individuals who will then give um, kind of verbal or oral testimony. And then what will happen is the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee on Police will deliberate on that in consultation with legal advisors and then probably revise the proposed amendments based on those consultations. So it's a highly democratic consultative process, uh, but of course it's going to be very contentious because it's polarized and there are very opposing views on many of the issues in the proposed legislation. Thank you, Dr. Lamb, for providing us with insight into the Firearms Control Act, the proposed amendments and related issues. All the best with your future research and we hope to have you back soon on Talks at Stellenbosch University. Thank you so much and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow all the latest Stellenbosch University news at www.sun.ac.za or follow us on all the largest social media platforms.